Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. We have been trying to get the Knicks to use ZipRecruiter to find their next coach because the list of suspects they have been bringing in are all people that should not coach the Knicks. Mike Woodson, Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy. We've seen all these people. They need a new coach. They need new blood. They should use ZipRecruiter. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within a day. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Meanwhile, SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, NBA, NHL, baseball, music, whatever you want. You know what to do. Use promo code BS. Special thanks to SeatGeek for hooking my daughter and her friends up to uh, Sunday's JT concert in Los Angeles. Her 13th birthday is coming up. I was able to impress her with this incredible connection from SeatGeek. Also, my daughter's turning 13. Kill me now. Put a gun to my head and pull the trigger. Oh my God, what is happening? Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek. We have some Ringer news. Oh, yeah. On the Ringer Podcast Network, the Dave Chang Show. You can subscribe to this right now. Our friend David Chang, the world's greatest chef. He's been on this podcast many times. He's been on Joe House's House of Carbs many times. And now, finally, he has his own podcast. It is launching on Thursday this week. You can hear the Dave Chang Show. We're going to try to do it every week. He is a busy dude. You might have seen him on Netflix with his Ugly Delicious show. You might have heard him on our podcast. You might have uh, gone to one of his many great restaurants, including the one in LA, Major Domo. We've been talking about this for months and months and months. And here's how that's a fact. Because as part of this show, we taped five episodes from December through April that we called the pre-opening diaries, which was basically me and Chang talking about what it's like to open a restaurant. And it's really cool how it turned out. And it's not going to be the whole podcast. It's just going to be five, five of maybe the first eight or nine episodes we're going to run. The first one we taped, it was in mid-December uh, when he was about a month away from launching Major Domo in LA. And we taped three before it launched and then two after. And in the third one, it's about a week before the restaurant's launching and he's like melting down and freaking out and has every neurosis you can possibly have. I think it's really cool how it turned out. And that's also not eventually going to be what the podcast is. Eventually he's going to have guests and uh, chefs and celebrities and um, talk about dishes that he's fascinated by and restaurants he's fascinated by. It's going to go in a whole bunch of uh, great directions, sports. He, lo he loves everything. He was meant to have a podcast. He's one of the best guests I've had. Um, I get hungry just talking about him. People have wondered how is House of Carbs and the Dave Chang show going to coexist? First of all, their bellies have coexisted for years and years. Second of all, the Chang's thing isn't going to be as much about food. I mean, it's it's food's going to be a part of it, but it's more about culture. House's thing is just like, I'm hungry. It's just, it's just overwhelming. You can feel a saliva breathing through the microphone. But we love food at The Ringer, and, and, I, and it's something that I think we're going to keep pushing into a little bit. We have Danny Chow on TheRinger.com who um, has written some really great food pieces for us. And I'm trying to convince him to write a food column. And uh, 
I'm basically going to have to beat him up to convince him to do it. I really want Danny Chow's food column. Just write 800 words about some sandwich you liked. Got to, got to, uh, got to force him to do that. We got to find a couple other writers. Um, but it's like, we love food. We love food here at the ringer and we're going to keep kind of dipping into it. The Dave Chang show subscribe now on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I think this podcast is going to be really, really good. And it's a great addition to our network. So check that out. Check out all the great stuff on the ringer.com. We have uh, Danny Kelly's last mock draft for the NFL. We have Chris Ryan writing an orgasmic piece about the Sixers. I can only describe it as orgasmic. There is a Philly Boston. We're one win away from a Celtics advancing to round two playing Philly Eagles Patriots, the sequel. And we have like eight ringer uh, Philly fans at the ringer and not nearly enough Boston fans, which is my fault as a boss. Um, I really did a bad job on that front, but um, we barely got through the Super Bowl. Now we're going to have seven games of the process versus the president, Brad Stevens. There might be fisticuffs. I don't know how it's going to play out. Last thing before, before we get to today's podcast, tomorrow night is an awesome TV night. We have a couple huge playoff games. We have the NFL draft. We even have some hockey. We are going to tape a podcast Late tomorrow night with a very special guest in my office. We're going to watch the games. We're going to tape about 1030 Pacific time. It will be in your, however you get your pods. It'll be right there waiting for you. Either late night if you're a night owl or if you have a cocaine problem or the next morning um, when you wake up and you're going to the gym um, or you're going to your commute or you're doing more cocaine, whatever you're doing. I, I don't judge. That podcast will be up and it will be ready to go. So check all that out. Coming up, I'm going to talk a little bit of basketball and then we're getting to Gerard Carmichael, who him and I have been circling each other for years to do a podcast and it finally happened. That's all coming up right after our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, I wanted to hit some basketball really quick before we get to Gerard because um, there's some storylines in play that I think have an expiration date before we get to tomorrow's going to be when we do the Thursday night podcast. It's going to be all basketball NFL draft. There's some stuff in play right now that I wanted to talk about really quickly, partly because it's going to expire and partly because I just feel like these are storylines that people are going to start talking about. And I just wanted to get my two cents in before they kind of balloon. You've heard me talk about the Sixers um, and how this happens maybe once a decade in the NBA where you have this team that seems like they're too young and everybody just assumes they're not ready yet. And the really the only reason people underestimate them is because of age and youth and a lack of experience and there's no other good reason. It became clear down the stretch in April that Philly had the most talented team in the East. What we didn't know was how they were going to respond in the playoffs when the stakes were higher. And I was looking at somebody like Ben Simmons and thinking to myself, this guy didn't play in any big games in college, really has only played one NBA season. The biggest game he's played in this whole year was a Friday night game at home against LeBron and a pretty mediocre Cavs team other than LeBron. 
I want to see what it's like in the playoffs. I want to see what it's like when Spolstra's throwing the kitchen sink at them and Miami's got their weird teams and they're getting all chippy and they're taking cheap shots at them. I want to see what that's like. I want to see what it's like how Embiid and Simmons coexist when Embiid comes back. Um, I want to see how some of their young guys like Covington respond. I had some questions. By the middle of game three, um, I was in. And and he, I think I even tweeted during that. I was like, Philly's making the finals. It's going to happen. They the, what, the things that impressed me about them, other than just they have more talent than everybody and they have two of the best 15 guys in the league, the, the confidence is really, really unusual, I think. The toughness and the confidence specifically, their inability to get rattled, their kind of FU edge that they have. Sim, Miami took a bunch of shots at Simmons during this series and he responded... I don't know how much of it was the Australian in him and how much he's just a bad MFer, but uh, really carried himself with a certain arrogance that as you keep going in these playoffs, especially if they end up facing somebody like LeBron, you have to have that kind of irrational confidence and that kind of swagger and that, and just that toughness. This team definitely has it. The other thing that's interesting about them, you know, they added Ilyasova and Bellinelli at the deadline. Bellinelli would have been on my team in December if I was a contender. He was making like $6 million a year. That was outrageous. This guy's been in big games. He's a good three-point shooter and he's feisty and he's not afraid and is exactly the type of guy you should be looking for in the playoffs. Philly was able to just steal those guys. To Brian Colangelo's credit, coming off one of the dumbest trades um, in the last five years when he traded uh, a really, really juicy Kings pick, which also was a Lakers pick partly at the time, and to do the false upgrade when he just could have taken Jason Tatum and kept the pick. That's a really bad trade. He salvaged it a little bit with Bellinelli and with Ilyasova. And if you watch last night, especially, you, I knew they were going to win last night because Dwayne Wade basically gave the uh, exit interview after game four and talked about how great Philly was and how he was so impressed by them. Once, once he is not searching for an edge anymore, the series is over. But, um, but if you notice last night, in crunch time, they had Redick, Bellinelli, and Ilyasova out there. His team is older and more experienced than I think people realize. And and that's why I want to talk about um, comparing them to, I think, four other teams that remind me of this team. And, and all four had the same, they're not ready yet, they're too young. We've talked about the below on the pod, but I wanted to go into them. The 77 Blazers, which if you remember when I had Mike Frances on a few weeks ago, I threw their name out and he reacted, um, just, just completely disagreed. And, you know, sometimes he's right and I'm wrong, but this time he's wrong and I'm right. Um, congrats to Mike, by the way, getting back in the action on WFAN. But 77 Blazers, they were 49 and 33 and they were a three seed. Now, this was a really weird NBA season. It was an unusually stacked league. I wrote about this in my book of basketball, which I hope you read, but it was the year after the ABA-NBA merger. All of these great young players moved into the NBA. And at that point, I think they only had 21 teams and the league was just stacked. It was probably the the weirdest, rarest year they've ever had, where it was just everybody was good. Nobody won more than 53 games that year. So the Blazers won 49, they were a three seed. Bill Walton was 24. He played 35 games as a rookie, 51 in his second year, and only 65 that year. Sounds a little familiar, right? The injury plague center sounds like Embiid. 
Maurice Lucas, who was their all-star power forward, he was 25. Lionel Hollins, 23, who ended up having a really nice career as uh, as just in a lot of playoff games and was a really reliable guard. Johnny Davis was their fast guy. He was 21. Bobby Gross was 23. So this was the core of their team was 25 and under, and their best player was 24. They did not have home court in round two or round three, which might be how it plays out for Philly. They won't have home court in Boston if Boston makes it. And then in round three, if Toronto makes it, they won't have home court either. Their big break that year was that the Lakers beat Golden State in seven. And that was a really good Warriors team because they had Rick Barry, who was at the tail end of his apex. And then they had this young core of Jamal Wilkes, um, Gus Williams, Robert Parrish, Phil Smith. They had they, it's just a team that was probably the most talented team of anyone that year. And LA took them out. They Did I say Robert Parrish? Robert Parrish was on that team. Um, the Lakers took them out and it was really a one man Laker team. And when we got to the next round, Walton had a whole Kareem thing. Walton always did great against Kareem. It was just the best break they could have gotten. So they ended up making the finals. Walton averaged an 18, 15 and six, three and a half blocks in the playoffs. And then in game two in the finals, I think they might've lost the finals if not for this fight that happened at the end of game two with, uh, with Maurice Lucas and Daryl Dawkins and Daryl Dawkins flipped out afterwards, destroyed the bathroom, uh, was really mad. His teammates didn't defend him. And I spent a year with Doug Collins, who's, uh, my personal coach, my mentor, not my mentor, but my, my, uh, my, my rabbi. And, uh, and he said the fight ruined that series for them, that from a chemistry standpoint, they were never the same after that and really wonders what would have happened if that didn't happen. So anyway, they caught every break. They actually won the title. The next three teams I'm going to mention did not. The 86 Rockets, 51 and 31. So these are two teams in a row that are right in the win range of where the uh, Sixers were this year. They were a two seed. They were basically a two-man team. Sampson, Ralph Sampson, 25 years old, had not gotten hurt yet and was considered a franchise guy and a top 15 guy. Hakeem Olajuwon, 23 years old, also a franchise guy. Um, And they had two of the top 15. Nobody thought they were ready yet. Their point guard was John Lucas, who had a really up and down career because he just had drug problems for the first decade of his career, but was an amazing talent. And when they had him, they were really good. And unfortunately for them in March, he disappeared and that was it. He didn't play again because he had a relapse. Everybody thought they were done. They beat Denver in round two. They they lucked out a little bit because the West wasn't that good. Then they played LA in round three and it was a strange LA team. They had kind of gone for speed over a mix of size and speed and they were this kind of run and gun team. It was their way of, of moving away from Kareem and toward Magic, but they did it incorrectly and they were too small. And Hakeem and Ralph just destroyed them on the boards. Just destroyed them. And the Lakers won the first game. The Rockets won the next four and they clinched it in game five. And it was just, it, it was it was like a tsunami watching it. By the end of the series, like, oh my God, the Rockets are going to win the next 10 titles. And I think that's how people felt about the 77 Blazers too. The next year, the 77 Blazers were 50 and 10 before Walton got hurt. And uh, as I covered in my book, one of the great what ifs, Wrote one of the great what if teams ever, uh, you know, right up there with the 2012 Thunder and a couple others of, man, if Walton stays healthy, that Blazers team could have won five or six titles, which is why you should read Breaks of the Game by David Halberstam. This Rockets team ends up going against 
what I think is the best team of all time, the 86 Celtics in the finals, takes them to six, lose. Next year, their backcourt, Lewis Lloyd and Mitchell Wiggins, um, both get busted for drugs. Team falls apart. Samson gets hurt. And within a year, it's over. Not saying that's going to happen in the Sixers. Just saying that's what happened. The third team, by the way, with that 86 Rockets, it was like, oh my God, where did this team come from? Which is is kind of what it seems like people feel like about the Sixers team now, and they shouldn't because we could see the signs for this in early April. The 95 Magic, I, I think they had a little bit more pedigree than the Sixers team. They went 57 and 25. They were the one seed. They were the first in, first in offensive rating. Uh, like the Sixers, Shaq, 23 years old, Penny, 23 years old. They also Dennis Scott, 25, Nick Anderson, 26. So they're, the core of their team was young, but they also had two really good vets, Horace Grant, Brian Shaw. And uh, and this was an excellent Magic team that we kind of thought might make it. Riley's Knicks were, were still involved. We had Reggie Miller's Pacers, but more importantly, Jordan came back from baseball in mid-March. And when that happened, everybody's like, oh, Jordan's going to win the title again. But their big break was that... Um, Jordan was in baseball shape, not basketball shape. And he was just rusty. And they beat, they were able to beat the Bulls in six. And subsequently, the NBA destroyed all of the tapes from those games. And they're never on television because God forbid we ever see Michael Jordan in a moment of weakness. But they they whooped their asses. And then it goes to they they beat Indiana in an awesome series that's also never on TV. And by the time they got to the finals, Shaq was one of the five best players in the league and Penny was probably somewhere between six and 10. And it just seemed like they were going to be in the finals for the next 20 years. And uh, Nick Anderson misses the four free throws famously in game one. They blow it. Everything spirals. Hakeem sweeps them. Also doubling as one of the great gambling moments of my life because I had Houston at like f- plus 500 or something. Uh, and that was it. The next year, everything combust, uh, self-combusted. Shaq left 13 months later and they were done. And then the last one is the uh, 2012 Thunder. They went 47 and 19. They were a two seed. KD was 23. Russ was 23. Harden, 22. Ibaka, 22. KD and Russ averaged 52 a game that year. Harden off the bench was 17 a game. They were just really good. They were young. And we still didn't totally feel like they were ready. It was the big break they got for them that year was was it was a very strange season because it was a lockout. All the games were condensed. And I think having young legs really helped them. They ended up playing San Antonio, who was the one seed. Well, first of all, the, the first big break they got was that Dallas didn't keep their team together and they let Tyson Chandler go. Because I actually think Dallas could have made another run that year. And yeah, OKC ended up sweeping them. Then the second big break was just just young legs. And they go to the San Antonio series in the Western Finals. And it's 2-2 going into game five in San Antonio. And then they just basically beat him up the next two games. And that was it. And all of a sudden, OKC was in the finals and none of us could believe it. It just seemed early. But it made sense. KD was at that point one of the five best guys in the league. And Russ was probably in the top 12. And Harden was the best six man. And Ibaka was a great role guy. And it made sense. They go to the finals. Really, those first four games against Miami were way closer, I think, than people realize, and easily could have been 3-1 OKC if a couple of plays had gone differently. They lose in five. You know what happens next, the Harden trade, and it's not the same after that. So I think the Sixers are in that group, and I think they're going to make the finals, and, and Vegas finally agrees. The Sixers are plus 160 
to win the East, which is makes them the favorites. Um, we have some concerns, I guess would be, I didn't, it actually made me nervous that they celebrated like they did after round one. That was the first time I was like, oh yeah, this team really is young. Like they, they, they're really celebrating that they beat Miami. Like they should already be looking ahead. This, you, you keep your eyes on the prize fellas. But at the same time, I get it when you go through the process and being shit on and all that stuff. I think they are by far the best team in the East. I really do. I don't even think it's like, oh, they have a slight advantage. It was like, they have the most talent and they should win. And they have an incredible crowd at home. And uh, I'd be very surprised if they were healthy for these next two rounds and did not make the finals. I think they're the best team. Vegas agrees. Um, other than that, we have these we have these game fives tonight that I just wanted to go through quickly. And unfortunately, my computer, I hate when it does that. Okay, there we go. Wizards wraps. Raptors favored by seven. I don't even know how you put lines on these games because the Wizards are so Jekyll and Hyde. Like they could totally win. They could totally lose by 20. Stay away. Don't gamble on this. On this. Pacers Cavs shocked me. The Cavs are favored by six and a half. I actually think the Pacers are better off playing on the road than at home. Don't ask me why. It just fit. It feels like at home they're almost like too jacked. Oladipo looked like um he he was too revved up. He's got to figure out a way to settle down and be and be a little more in control. He was out of control in those Indiana games at Indiana. Um I don't trust this Cavs team at all. They basically lose game four unless Kyle Corver just starts making crazy shots. They don't have a second scoring option at all. And the stuff they're doing on defense to hide how many bad defensive players they have is really gimmicky. And there's also a history of LeBron with these game fives in Cleveland when he has a shaky team kind of blowing the game five and then either rallying back to win the series anyway or um, or uh, kind of fizzling out. It happened in 2010. It almost happened in 2012. Um, I like the Pacers plus six and a half in that one. I think the Pacers are pretty good. Wolves Rockets. feels like that series is over. The Wolves had their chance in game four. Jazz Thunder. Wanted to talk about really quickly. It's shocking to me how discombobulated the Thunder were in this series. And I was expecting it. I really thought, I, not only did I think they were going to lose to the Jazz, I bet on the Jazz. The Jazz were like two to one underdogs. I just thought this was the dream matchup if you're the Jazz. You have a team that has a point guard who is a little out of control and loves going to the rim and you have the best rim protector in the league and a good bench and a great home crowd and a really smart, disciplined, well-coached team going against a team that just jacks up shots and relies on somebody who's playing 200 miles an hour. Russ was out of his mind in game four in, in mostly a good way. Like he, the competitiveness he showed in that game, I thought was really breathtaking. He, he was, it was like watching a crazed running back playing for his life and carrying the ball like 58 times and just taking on tacklers every time. He was awesome, but he also wasn't awesome because he was out of control uh, he did not really know how to run the team. He They kept riding Carmelo, who's just washed. It really seems like he might be done. And uh, and Paul George got his ass kicked by Joe Engels. And that team did everything you do when you know you don't have the right team. They just, 
they just fell apart and got super chippy and acted like uh, petulantly. And, you know, as somebody who loves watching good basketball, I really enjoy watching the hero ball teams go down in flames. I would much rather watch a team like Utah and I would much, much rather watch the much maligned Rick Rubio who got called out by Westbrook and then proceeded to stick it to the thunder yet again. I could see a scenario where the, where the league kind of does a wink, wink and the thunder shoots 58 free throws tonight. That worries me. I think you can, referee go bear any way you want and you could basically call him for touch fouls on every play if you wanted to. So that part worries me. Um, but I think that series is done and whether it's done tonight or whether it's done um, in game six, they are not winning game six in Utah. And it'll be interesting to see if the Thunder just completely break tonight. One thing I wanted to mention about Russ and you saw it in game four specifically his career, you know, in high school, he was a late bloomer, like a really late bloomer. Like he he was barely even on the recruiting scene and then kind of shot up at the end. He went to UCLA. He was not, he was a guy that rose up the ranks because he was such an unbelievable athlete. I loved him in college. He was not the best player on that team. They had Kevin Love. They had Darren Collison. I think they had Darren Collison. Um, but he was not the guy on that team. And then he went to the Thunder and he was not really the guy in the Thunder the entire time Durant was there, except for the one year Durant got hurt and the team didn't do that well either. And you saw this happen last year against Houston in the playoffs and you, you're seeing it happen against Utah. He hasn't been in a lot of, I'm the best player on the team. I have to problem solve. I have to figure out what to do situations. Whereas even you take a guy like Donovan Mitchell, that guy's probably been the best guy on his team since the sixth grade. And he's been in all kinds of situations. A guy like Durant, has been the best guy on his team since basically he grew to six seven, and for years and years has been in this situation of okay, I know what it's like when I'm the guy. Westbrook, we've seen him in the regular season, but in the playoffs, move at a different speed. Teams are throwing crazy things at you and and mixing defensive looks and trying to take you out of your game. And the pattern with him, which I think we can officially call a pattern, is. He's not a good problem solver as the team's best player. He's not somebody that can kind of ride with the floor, flow and go, oh, you're doing this, I'm going to do this. I think you look at somebody like Kyrie, who was a monster in high school, that lost a college year at Duke, and then was in a situation where he had to carry some bad Cleveland teams for a couple of years. LeBron showed up. He had reached a point where he could take the car keys from LeBron when LeBron wanted to give them to him. Goes to Boston before he got hurt really kind of had a feel for how to run that team and when to step up, when not to step up. And I think if we got in the playoffs, he, that would have continued. With Westbrook, not really seeing it. I'm not seeing a guy who solves problems as the team's best player. I'm seeing a guy who is like a one-man wrecking crew that can't really change his game. I don't, I don't think... Somebody like Carmelo, who just cannot get going in this series, Russ isn't going to help him get going. He might do slash and kick open three, but it's not like it's not like he can really push Carmelo to another level. It is what it is, and uh, I don't. I just don't think the one man wrecking crew routine works in the playoffs. I think you have to have more to your game, but that's what makes Russ such a compelling guy. There's really been nobody like him. There's that fills up the stat sheet like he does. 
but doesn't seem to be able to pull his teammates into it and pull the best possible performances out of them. And we've seen that last year. We saw that this year too. With all that said, this would be a great time for him to make the leap right now. Down 3-1 against a superior team, against a team that provides all these different challenges for him. And I feel like this is a little bit of a fork in the road moment for him. I really do. He's been in the league now for since 2008. This is his 10th year. You kind of are what you are at some point. So I'll be very interested to see what happens with him tonight. Hey, with Google Assistant, you can complete over a million actions on your phone, in your car, around the house. It's perfect for movie night. You can get movie info and showtimes directly from your assistant just by saying, hey, Google, what movies are playing? Google can even flip a coin for you. Watch this. I'm going to have Google flip a coin for me. So heads, I'm going to tell you the best parlay for game five. And tails, I'm going to tell you the best upset pick for game five. All right, Google, flip the coin for me. All right. You got tails. Ooh, tails. Okay. Best upset pick for game five. Going money line. Indiana plus 240 in Cleveland. I just think that's, I think, I look, I always look at odds this way. If they play this game three times, does Cleveland win? Or if they play this game 10 times, how many does Cleveland, or how many does Indiana win? I actually think Indiana would win this game four out of 10 times. So if I'm getting plus 240, perfect. That's it. Thank you, Google Assistant. Thanks for flipping that for me. Thank God. I don't know what else I would have done, but it's pretty amazing that they can, uh, they can do everything for you. They can tell you the weather. They can flip a coin, whatever you want. Go get the Google Assistant right now. All right. Coming up, our interview with uh, Gerard Carmichael. We taped it Tuesday afternoon. He's my favorite guest because he had nothing to plug. He just wanted to come and shoot the shit. Here's what happened. All right, we're taping this Tuesday afternoon. Gerard Carmichael finally here. It's been a, over a two-year odyssey to get us We've together been trying for, for a really long time. You're a busy time. dude, man. I don't know what I'm doing, man. This is fun. This is really, like, every poster in here is, like, incredible. It's really, really incredible. I, I, I can't appreciate stop it. looking We love when people appreciate the posters. Yeah, you no, were it's saying great. You got Ali into Frazier and Andre the Giant. You were saying you got into Nirvana, never mind, late. Yeah, like a you're only year 30. and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. It, I it just certain things I, you just miss. <laughs> you just miss it. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I remember calling my friend like a year ago. I'm like, have you heard lithium? <laughs> oh my god, lithium! What is incredible. that? Yeah, it's amazing. Then I just went down a hole. Where did you sleep last night? On unplugged is one of the best live vocal performances I've ever heard. Unplugged is one of those things that went away, and I'm not exactly sure why. I thought it was always a great test of a band being able to give a different yeah. look and resonate with the audience. And yeah, it's, there were some it's, great ones. It's difficult. Uh, live instrumentation isn't the most popular yeah. thing right now, just by nature of where music is. So it's like, it, it's only, I'm, I can think of a lot of artists that would really crush and unplug. I agree. Right? But I can't think of a lot of, I don't even know if people use the term top 40 anymore, but like of those artists that would, that it would make sense for, like, you know what I mean? Like it, it's not a lot. So it used to have a, it had a way bigger impact. And I don't know whether it was just, we had less channels, but 
I remember when Mariah Carey did hers and she had Trey Lorenz came in. Yeah. And they did the cover of I'll Be There from the Jacksons. Which was great. And we he became the, a star overnight. It was like, who's this guy? He's a star. And he I don't even think he had that one any was, hit albums. That one was incredible. Uh Lauren Hill's Unplugged. Oh my is god. Probably Top five. Yeah. I it, it's it's my personal favorite one. It's it's so uh it's incredibly soothing and thoughtful. And again, her voice, she has like um like kind of a raspiness to her voice that's like yeah. it's just and these are all new songs. These are all new songs, and she's just like performing them and it's beautiful. And even times when she there's a song called uh I Just Want You Around, where she she ends it saying, I don't even know how this ends. It's one of those songs that would fade out if you were in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and she just stopped it and it's just beautiful, like natural, beautiful moments. She, I look at her from that decade, like if you compare the musicians to athletes, she for me is like the Penny Hardaway of that decade. Kind <laughs> That's of. interesting. Had a really nice, yeah. great, memorable four or five year run, but yeah. it should have been like 25. And then, I don't know, she got yeah. kind of enigmatic and she would show up super late to concerts and show up su- super late to gigs and it, everything. It's, it's crazy because I... Listen, she has, I count it as two. A lot of people say one, but I count the Unplugged as one thing. That's fair. As a, as a full album. This is all new songs. Yeah. Uh, it's it's strange to me people don't count it, but it's all new songs right. recorded. You know, there's an audience, but it's incredible. Um, and maybe that was, look, maybe she will again. I mean, she's still recording and maybe she, like, she will again want to release like a full body of work. But like, that's kind of, she's more effective in those two than a lot of you know artists are like six or seven albums in like i I play those consistently like you go to like the you know 25 most played songs like songs from her it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be up there so it's like it's funny like it's people with larger bodies of work that aren't as uh meaningful the first great one I remember was the Eric Clapton one, which I think was an unplugged. Is that but, with? Um, but they, they released that as a as a CD back in the day. Did That's he do Babyface? Was that what Babyface changed the world on that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He did. Uh, he did a like a very very slow Layla and all this, but it was yeah. a, just a great album. Yeah, and yeah. it, it kind of gave him it rejuvenated him in the late eighties a little bit. What do you um, What are you listening to now, though? See, I listen to playlists now. Like just like friends. I don't or listen just... to albums. So yeah, I just make I just make different playlists of different, you know, have them all labeled in weird ways or let's either artists or like different moods and. What's the um, last out al- like full album that you? Last full album I've listened to. Or I mean, enjoy, not even just listen to, go to, to the mid two thousands that you that you enjoy, like really a complete album. It's been mid just two, from no, just from listening repeatedly from yeah, a start to finish. Start to finish. Yeah, I've listened to them once, but like I've never been like, oh, I'm going to put this album in. <laughs> listen to them once, and then I pick the songs I like and put Pop them up. in a playlist. Yeah. What about you? I mean, there's a couple. There's like uh, Frank Ocean's Blonde. I think is. I think album. he did. He did two. Endless. Which is like almost, you know, certain songs are so short to the point of almost being samplers. Yeah. Right. And then he also did uh, uh, Two Days Later, Blonde. And I can listen to both of those. Start to finish. Start to finish consistently. I do it like a lot. I I listen to both of those start to finish. See, my generation, I'm in my late 40s now. And the albums, especially like you'd have to flip them over halfway through and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. (laughs) Um, 
But, we but that kept you mindful of it, right? Because then you hundred percent. Like when a record was on, a record was on, and right? Whole, and you and had to. Physically, you heard everything, and it was you, a pain you, in the ass to move it ahead. It was yeah, a pain in the ass. To, you had to really want that album. Yeah, and and you would kind of get Stockholm syndrome with some of the songs where you would, you know, be the eighth eighth best song in the album. But after you heard the album fifty times, you'd be like, ah, that song's kind of growing on me. And they just weren't good songs, but you just heard them so many times. Yeah. You know all the beats. Yeah. And that's what I wonder whether that happens with music anymore. Whether people listen to the eighth best song on whatever 50 times. I mean that I mean there has to be, you know, like there has to be that. I, I don't know if it's as popular because nothing is um nothing it, things aren't as slow as they were. Yeah. Right. So like you have to catch up to it's like television uh you, the what's the um the docu series that came out on Netflix recently Wild Wild Country Wild Wild Country yeah. I haven't seen it yet I'm just catching up to like the Jinx yeah <laughs> and like everyone's like Wild Wild Country and then you're like oh wait 6 hours that we're going to talk about for 2 weeks and then we're going to move on to the next so you just kind of have to choose your own pace and so listen to a song if you're keeping up on music, it's like so many new. I mean, you can go to SoundCloud and hear complete. There are artists that are huge on SoundCloud that right. have complete things that you can hear. It's just hard. It's hard to give things the time that they need to like discover the nuances and discover everything about. It. It's just culture moves really, really quickly. Yeah, albums 25 years ago. I mean, I remember when all the albums came out and you always listened to them and they all kind of captured some sort of vibe mm-hmm. that I think seems to be happening still in hip hop to some degree. Yeah. But in general, like Taylor Swift definitely tries to do it, but I always feel like with her, it's this calculated choice. Like she meets with a bunch of people and she's yeah. like, this well, album coming out, what should I, what should my theme be? And then she tries to tie the songs to that theme, but it's not. Everything's calculated when you add money to it. Oh my God. You got, Cause you got, now you have 10 new job positions open and right. 10 people that try and justify the six figure salary and they are <laughs> right. going to tell you, give you a sheet of things and numbers and tell, and very smart people. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like really smart people, but it, 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 by nature of money, <laughs> it brings more calculation because now it's a, uh, you know, how do we get more? How do we capitalize on this? And how do we, you know, maintain it? How do we grow? You know, it becomes a corporation in a sense. Yeah, I don't, I like the old way, but that that's where I become an old guy. Like yeah. Springsteen would just put out an album because he was getting too popular. So he's like, I'm putting it on Nebraska. Really? I'm, dri- I'm driving, I'm driving off half of my <laughs> fan base with this. That's <laughs> Here's some songs about serial killers. Kanye Enjoy this. still does these shifts i was thinking about yeezus a lot today yeah and just the fact just the true feat is to be in that space whatever that space is yeah create in that space feel confident confident enough to release in that space have people have such a crazy reaction to it and then release another album without it, it doesn't we applaud just like every swing that he makes that's such an amazing place to be in like every swing that he makes because you know it's thoughtful you know he really lived in this space yeah <laughs> you know and then he just released from whatever that was there's some tiger woods like how when tiger woods when people think he has a chance to come back and be good at the masters and people are just so happy he's back yeah they really want it there was a moment I do a feel couple like, weeks ago right yeah it was and i do feel like a little bit that way with this Kanye announcing who's gonna do more music i think 
Some people were really worried this wasn't happening. I had Scooter Braun on a couple of months ago. I was like, mm-hmm. is he going to make another album? Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's going to make it. And I didn't totally believe it because you you could have told me he was just going to do like design stuff yeah. and make shoes and that he would have been happy for 10 years. I, I, I don't think he can. I don't think he can stop making I music. So. I, I really don't. I, I don't know him that I well. I don't think he would stop making it. I'm saying releasing it. Oh really? I you think he would just see, sit I on it? I can just see him like sitting on music for six years. I'm so glad to hear he's like <laughs> actually putting stuff out. Maybe I mean, but but maybe like you know, I'm sure there's a vault. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like with just like a lot of unreleased things. You know, but like I, I think I, I think Kanye releases. This is me. I mean, we've talked a few times about creative stuff, but not you enough for me to speak for. Yeah, yeah, I can't like I can't speak for what his strategy is, but I would say just as a an observer, he releases with everything in mind, right? The the album, the visuals for the album are as important as the album and what the concert's it, gonna look what like. What the concert the stage, looks like everything. is as important as everything is. It, it's so thoughtful, and again, it all comes from that space that like you know you have to release that you can't hold because even if you sit on music like this idea for like the rollout or this idea for like the the live production of it is you have to do that yeah you know what i mean i think just as an artist is you have to do it i thought what he did with the last album i was so fascinated by yeah he just put it out and kept messing with it changing it tweaking it and it was it was just like he completely flipped the art form on it on its head. Yeah, no, it, it was. I cra- like this song. Oh, now it's a week later. It's different. That made me. That did make me want uh, records again. Yeah, <laughs> or CDs or some physical copy because you know there was there was a couple of changes that I wanted the like the original Ultralight Beam. I I love a little bit more than what you can currently immediately get. I'm but sure I, I think get that's the reaction that he wanted though. He wanted you to be, be frustrated that for this version from a week changing. ago. Yeah, yeah, I was like, what happened to the the week ago version was perfect. Yeah. He gives you this it gives him this weird power over people, <laughs> even his consumers. Like, why I'm gonna change that again? Just remotely, like yeah. the whiz just changes the co- the colors we're dancing to. And now he's tweeting again. I'm so fascinated by him. He's he's he is our most fascinating, fascinating celebrity. individual. Yeah. yeah. He's he's very fascinating. He's very honest. He's all of a sudden he's tweeting like a maniac. And he's tweeting all these like fortune cookie sentences that you're, you're like, what's he trying to say? Is this, has he, did he have <laughs> these for two years? He's just going into a document and putting them on Twitter. Them yeah. he, he probably has a, a draft. I think he has a document. Or just in notes, you know? Yeah. Don't people, do you do that? Do you tweet a lot? I tweet probably like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine times a day, but probably half promotional. Okay. And then if I'm watching basketball, just like, I've, I've learned how to, yeah. How about you? I'm not on. I'm not on any. You're of, not on the, at yeah. all. No, 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 I, no. So you're not on Twitter and you don't have a podcast. Yeah, I don't. You're I don't. basically different than any uh, comic based dude out there. I think. Well, I. I mean, God bless the the podcast. It, it seems, it seems like it would conflict with the art itself, the thoughts, because if you just constantly put it out, then. They can't incubate and grow and change and Were you putting out a rough draft of your thoughts? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, even Twitter, even uh, like any post of just like, uh, for me, that's how I, that's how I feel about it. There are people I'm sure that can just go and go and go, but I don't know. It just seems like a lot of output. I use it <laughs> for know? like in the moment reactions that are going to die quickly. 
and mm-hmm. promotional stuff. Yeah. But there was a time when I probably used it for more than that. Like, oh, I can't wait to make this joke. Now it's like, I'll oh, save that for. Do you think we contribute else. to the the death of uh, moments like kind of lingering and lasting because we kind of jump on it? Because like it's just, too fast? It, well, it's so fast, but we all want to kind of throw out. It's kind of like a just kind of like a, a circle of just like people jonesing or riffing or whatever. Like it's everyone throws their joke in. Yeah. And then we just go circle around something else. I think what it's shown is that um, basically anybody can make a joke that's relatively the same as anyone else's joke. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I think I've told this story before in the podcast, but um, when I was in college, we used to love the killer from Silence of the Lambs, James Gum. Mm-hmm. The guy, Jersey mm-hmm. Silence yeah, of the Lambs. Yeah, yeah. The guy who keeps the girl in the dungeon, but yeah. he was like, Rrr! he had the deep voice. And we used to think he was the funniest person ever. And we we were the only ones who thought, we thought this was funny. We were like, this is it. This is our little group of people who enjoy the hell yeah. of this guy. And then when the internet comes around, I'm like, oh, everybody thinks he's funny. Oh, we're all... And it, and I mean, it felt a, totally not special at all. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess the silver lining is, you know, we all have the same experiences. Yeah. It was kind, <laughs> it was kind of humbling, but at the same time, oh, we weren't weird. Yeah. You weren't you oh, thought yeah. you were weird? He's, I mean, it's, he's really interested. I can see, yeah. I can see being really fascinated with. I laughed in the theater when I saw it, and I was on a date, and like a couple of people turned around and stink eyed me, because I was like, "This guy's the greatest. <laughs> Get this guy in for it." It was like this very tense, tense yeah, yeah, thriller, yeah, just breaking. Yeah, uh, yeah. But Twitter, though, I, I think I have noticed like the whirlpool gets faster. Like last week. Allie LaForce, the sideline reporter, asked LeBron James about Greg Popovich, his wife who had just died. And the game ended, and then LeBron came over, and instead of like, what was it like out there today? She's like, hey, you know. Look. But she had actually given him a heads up that she was going to ask him. Mm-hmm. In the interview, it seemed like she blindsided him with it. Mm-hmm. And people on Twitter reacted like she set off a bomb oh, really? in the arena. And they were so upset with her. And it was just rushed to judgment. Let's murder this person. Really? And then it came. And then LeBron was like, "Yeah, she asked me beforehand for, you know, she gave me a heads up that it happened." And then it, then the moment just dies. And it's like, well, what about this whole seventy-five minutes when everybody was just crushing this person, and we didn't even have the facts yet? You mean it's I'm missing scary. fun stuff like that? Oh yeah, that's what you're missing. Oh my god, I missed that. Oh, you're missing the outrage. Outrage <laughs> culture is the best. <laughs> People just getting bent out of shape. Oh, I'm, oh, I mean. It's people very protective of other people's feelings by then attacking the person who hurt the feelings. We're getting weird. We're getting weird. We're super we're getting, weird. We're getting weird. It, it's it's fun to watch it, but it's we're getting weird. It's because uh, um, a lot of news is becoming reporting on things that we saw on social media. Yeah. You know, it's just like, and guess what's on Twitter today? <laughs> you right. know, like that's what like everybody's becoming. And uh, sports TV shows like that too. They just throw up tweets. You just throw up tweets them. and Instagram posts and, yeah. uh, and everything. And now they're like articles and op-eds via written about a thing and a tweet. And there was a, there's this guy who's a writer who was uh, mad at a joke on Roseanne. You know, and it's just uh, uh, then he's like writing an article in the Times about his tweets about his anger at a joke, which, you know, he was wrong about, but (laughs) had an outlet. And that's good, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You're not missing out on much. It's very silly. I get a lot of info from it. I I found out about it. Like, I just looked on Twitter just now and I found out that Mick Mill got out of jail and he's going to be at the Sixers game tonight. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So that is Twitter. I found that out on Twitter. 
Oh, that's great news. One of the Philly owners got him out. Really? Yeah. So I think he's going to be, we're taping this Tuesday. I think he's going to be at game five tonight. And he'll probably get a bigger ovation than Embiid and Simmons. <laughs> it's going to be insane. It's going to be amazing. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you might have to get on. I got to get on Twitter. You could, What you could do is you could, there's this app called Nuzzle. So yeah. you can follow these accounts and then just go on the Nuzzle app and you just get all the news from the people you follow without their thoughts and tweets. Wait. And you can find out news though. I'll show it to you after Okay, yeah, wait. What are you filtering out? You're basically filtering, if I'm tweeting a story, mm -hmm. like I'm tweeting the Meek Mill story, that would show up on your Nuzzle feed, yeah. but you wouldn't get my three accompanying tweets about, here are my thoughts on Meek Mill coming back. Oh, okay. You just get okay. the story itself. Is there? So you're weeding out all of humanity other than the information. I, um, is there an app where I can weed out uh, sass about Donald Trump? Yeah, it's called the mute button. Oh, uh, is that you what can it is? Yeah, just like, just Trump sass? Yeah. <laughs> people love it, man. Do, do people know it's white noise? Do are, do, I think does they white know noise now. know it's white noise? Does the tree falling in the forest know that it fell? <laughs> At this Dear point, God. I think I think people know. Do they yeah. know and they just contribute to it? I'm, I don't want to sound like a, a 93-year-old bitter whatever, because I'm not. And I do think it's great that people have voices. And the writer who was wrong about the Roseanne joke should have an outlet to criticize, right? Yeah. But, like, but then everything becomes, this should not happen. And everyone pretends to be a uh, civil rights leader from the comfort of their own couch yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like it's like like very easy civil rights like the laziest martin luther's i've ever seen before in my life <laughs> you know what i mean like just like it like can you imagine if anyway martin luther king in the 60s yeah I don't, we don't even have to go into the bit of it we know the absurdity of it just right. off the but you know but you should have an outlet you should have a uh you know a place to voice Yourself, you should be heard. You should just also think about things for a second and maybe give it think, a week. But I don't think people know how to mobilize anymore. I think that's part of the problem. Well, they want to have protest the illusion of being mobilized all the time while still. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we have the illusion of we are all united against this thing. Now, what? in reality, now what do potentially we do? it does have our attention uh for the moment or and and hopefully for real issues <laughs> you know what i mean like for very real things that are happening where people are dying and uh uh you know and whatnot then it is actual mobilization but like you know a lot of it is i mean it's too it's too easy well like the marches which i really respect and kudos to everybody who went out for those that's people's way of mobilizing it says some sort of statement, but then the moment ends and it's just kind of over. Yeah. And then we're back to where I, we were the you know, day before. You know, the only thing I will say, uh, the only thing I don't understand about uh, marches is I think, uh, you know, it's almost too civilized. Well, that's... It's almost too, but it's almost too, and I know it's civilians doing the thing, but it's, I, I, I wish that they were more disruptive. Like, it should be happening, you know, it should be... You know, let's stand on the streets and just block traffic for days. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's just like, I, you, you know, you think about, you know, you know, the marches on Selma and it being representative. And that's, you know, beautiful. And we try and echo that and we try and capture those things. But a lot of times we can let even our, even our intentions being in a good place, we can let uh, how it's broadcast, turn it and minima minimalize it. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Like make it a concert and make it a a, a, a fun event. 
as opposed to what it really should be and represent. And as opposed what, to like if 25,000 people drove their cars to where the airport entrance is and just lined them up so it would be impossible to tow. Yeah. And then nobody could get in and out of the airport. Yeah. I mean, you think now they're affecting the, a, people's a lives. A sit-in at a, at a Woolworths counter in Greensboro is breaking the law actively. Yeah. Actively breaking the law. You, They were not allowed to sit there. We're going to go in and we're going to sit there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it broke the law. It was peaceful. You know, and it was it was civilized in that sense, but it was disruptive, you know, like just thinking about it from, you know, I, I think we have to apply, you know, that sense of, you know, a hint of anarchy, if you will, to to like, uh, is that great? That's it's not like a crazy thing to say into a microphone, but no, I think you're right. And the danger of talking about this stuff now in 2018 is somebody takes the headline and and says, comic Gerard Carmichael advocates for complete anarchy yeah, and then yeah. they turn their headline yeah. and then they don't listen to yeah. the context of what you said. And yeah. And that, that headline will be 30% false. Yeah. Which is kind of where we are now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 30% false. I am 70% of me is advocating anarchy, <laughs> complete destruction in the streets, fires. <laughs> And then, then 30% of me realizes that we can't know, do that. That yeah. costs a lot in insurance. I don't know. What am I, why am I against that? I, don't know. I mean, it's a good point, though. Disrupting something yeah, can take be, a lot of different forms. Yeah. If, if you're marching for one day, you're, you're, you're basically announcing, we don't like this. We want this to change, which yeah. is admirable. But you're doing this for somebody who right now does not care what those people think and it's just bouncing off him. And if anything, it's, he probably thinks this is great. Look at all the attention I'm getting today. Yeah. It's, so I don't it's, know what that solves. I just don't want us to substitute, you know, Abby Hoffman speeches on a campus for gratitude that Twitter extended your character count. You know what I mean? Like a yeah. tra- a trading those things. It, it just, it feels false. It feels like, you know, you're kind of being controlled more than you realize. Where'd you grow up? North Carolina. So North Carolina, where do things stand right now in general with everything? In North Carolina? Yeah. You know, I'm not really. Like when you go back there, do you go back there? Often? I go. Th- yeah, I go back. I have my family's there. And so uh, like. So my, what do people in like North Carolina think about what's happening right now? I mean, listen, I'm from a place where. And it's part of the reason, you know, me sounding critical over white noise and stuff like that is that I'm from a place where people have really focused attention and energy on a lot of like needs and necessities. And a lot of the things that we in our bubbles of New York and L.A. and yeah. it seems loud because we have the biggest microphones or microphones at all. Uh, it, uh, like they focus in North Carolina on, you know, real stuff, income <laughs> You know, like raising really specific things. And it's it's it feels good to be around that as like a reminder, because focus is what calms outrage. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, because then, you you know, like I wouldn't describe, you know, Malcolm X even as outrage. It was focused (laughs) on a specific thing, focus on basic needs and focus on like, you know, uh, like true things. And like. In North Carolina, it really is a, a sense of that. It is a sense of like, you know, it's, I, I mean the term regular people in a, in a positive sense of just like, you know, very honest, regular people. Quick break to talk about 
Simply Safe Home Security, my old friends. I'm a big fan of Simply Safe. They are ready for anything that gets thrown at it. If a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. If an intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. Say someone destroys your keypad or siren, Simply Safe will still get you the help you need. Maybe it's overkill. Maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst case scenario. Simply Safe is always ready just in case that's what makes it great. Now, Simply Safe could cost an arm and a leg, and it probably should, but it doesn't. That's because they're good people. They charge you what is fair, what is right. $14.99 a month. That's it. No contracts, no hidden fees. I recommend Simply Safe to everyone. I know you have to check it out. Go today to simplysafe.com slash BS. That is simplysafe with two eyes.com slash BS. Back to me and Gerard. I, did, I intentionally did not research this because I just wanted to shoot the shit with you. But the one thing I remember about you is you just moved here to do stand up and you hadn't even really done stand up. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't done it you? before at all. Uh, I just turned 20. You just hopped in a car and that you were like, I, I think I can be a comedian. My my, uh, my sister bought me a plane ticket on Cheapo Air. <laughs> I remember Cheapo that. Air? I remember it was on the ticket, Cheapo Air. Who it is? was the sweetest thing ever. She bought me a, 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 a my flight out, no return. So this was 2008. Mm-hmm. So who were your big influences at that point? Who were you like, I want to be this person? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. My my influences, like when you think about like Hollywood in general, have always been kind of this mix of like artists and producers and, you know, like my, my infatuation probably, got, I remember seeing like a documentary on Sumner Redstone. Yeah. But, you know, and, and being like, oh, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I remember seeing uh, uh, Bat and uh, Puff Daddy's Behind the Music. Wow. I remember those two things. It was a dateline. I'm saying documentaries. It was like a dateline piece on something the rest on Puff Daddy Behind the Music. And I was like, that's that was my, the entertainment industry was like kind of through that kind of right. lens. And um, and so I moved out. My, my heroes have always been, you know, those guys. And then in comedy, you know, it's just a it was a fun art to try and figure out it was like a real fun thing to just go to mics and so what was your first move you show up you show up you go to i i uh you get a like you get went to the like comedy a 30 store. day apartment what'd you do i i you know it's funny my first apartment is right around the corner really from here uh on gower and i remember uh this this, this neighborhood's changed a little bit it's nice yeah it's getting there it's nicer. Yeah, nicer. Than, it's definitely than, nicer. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 10 years ago, it was yeah. not as nice. Um, yeah, my first apartment here, it was like a one bedroom with three people already in it. And then you're and, just three people. And then I moved it. to a studio on Bronson. Yeah. Which was a studio with four people in it. Oh, my God. So it was like, you know, I upgraded and downgraded at the same time. And you're just going to comedy clubs trying to work on your stuff yeah you just go to you hit open mics you go uh you go to i went to the comedy store first that's why i shot my first special there yeah um it was uh you just kind of do it uh till you figure it out you figure out audiences it's a fun thing you gotta really do it if you're gonna do it you know what i mean like you can't kind of do it so like it was fun dedicating all of my time to stand up how'd you figure out your rhythm for how you deliver stuff because i think your rhythm's really distinct uh it's definitely like 
it feels like the joke's over, but you're waiting, you're waiting, and then you go in like a one more time, and you just yeah, you kind of move the audience. It's just a little different than what people are used to, and I think it's really effective. Oh well, thank you. Well, you want to keep it honest, you know, uh, to like your natural way. Like of you like kinda... silence. You'll use silence as a friend. Yeah, you'll kind of just wait out the crowd for four or five seconds and they would be like, is he going to keep going? And then you'll go and then you keep going with it. Yeah. I'm uh, like, I'm thinking uh, sometimes it's like a thing will come to you in the moment. You know, sometimes you give the audience a second, I, you know, I say a couple things where you got to give the audience a second. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, is that even, uh, uh, laughter is just like, wait, okay, wait, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And so, uh, I, the, the pauses are just, I, a lot of times I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, where are we going to go next? What do we want to talk about? Well, when you do like an HBO special, which you've done too, right? Mm -hmm. um, is that all planned out or do you leave a little room in your, in, in the act to maybe veer off and, or is everything just like no, it, it's a, orchestrating? A, it? a lot of it is, is planned out. A lot of it is, uh, you know, thoughts I've had before and, uh, done a bunch, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's not quite, you know, Beyonce at Coachella, you know, nailing yeah. it <laughs> on yeah. marks type of thing is just kind of like it, it, you spend more time i spend more time thinking about the thought itself than yeah. like the act does it make sense like uh, do you still feel this way what does this mean what are you saying that type of stuff over then like all right this joke works and this tag and the thing it just it ends where i think the thought ends what do you think like five years ago what what were people expecting from you when they went to go see you if they um, had to describe you in a sentence in 2013, what were they thinking? In 2013, I, 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 I don't know. Just say like, that guy is a he's a young comic. Well, when people hear um, comic, the the thought is this like court jester, you know. People have, you know, they oh, don't make a joke about me. If you go, you talk to like non comedians, and they're just yeah. like, "Are oh, you gonna put this in your act?" And you're just like, "You, you think, you think this is what I'm?" That's what my life's like. Yeah. <laughs> but but like you know, they think silly guy, which it can be. Sometimes it can be the silliest thing in the world. Sure, and that's and that's great. And there are people who mastered physical, you know, kind of like things that are like a bit big and that's their taste and their point of view and they're right. And that's great. But like, it's, that's kind of the first thought that people think, Yeah, you know? And, uh, uh, so, you know, seeing me or anyone, especially if they don't know you and they're going to a comedy club, or they're going to a place and it's like comedians. Prove it like, to me. Yeah. Part of my rhythm is to, I have to adjust the audience perception a little bit. Of what this is. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like exactly whatever this is, you know, uh, I, you know, a lot of comedy isn't, I don't know. I, I prefer to have a conversation with you. But now in 2018, people know what they're getting. I haven't really done it a lot. So I have no idea what the expectation is. Like, I, I don't, I haven't, I haven't really done stand up in a. In, but you're out of the loop completely. I mean, I, I. I hear about people that are really funny and like I hear about it from like friends and stuff like that. But, I, I, you know, and I, every now and then I'll be like on a walk or something. And I'll like just go by the club every now and then. But for the most part, I, I don't. Um, Interesting, because most people that get into it, it seems like. um, It's just part of their they they can't shake it. 
Yeah, it's it's like, just, I gotta go do ten minutes at the comedy store. Yeah, no, ten thirty at night. It, it's just not where my right focus back. is. Yeah, no, I, I, I love it, and I think it's a great art form at its best. Yeah, you know, um, but it's just not where my head is right now. Like it's because you just signed a new deal, right? Doing yeah, a whole bunch of that, stuff. That's not even. That's not even. Well, I've been working on television a lot, I guess. So it's that's part of it. Um, but it's been fun. It's been fun, like kind of just producing writing solving creative dilemmas yeah just the show kinda, you did for nbc was like the kind of show that i grew up with in the 70s it was oh, the old school that's a very nice thank you it was the old school network sitcom with a little heart well you want to you know norman lear did it great excellent he was the yeah. best you know and like uh, and I know what that meant and what it felt like hearing some of those things said on television. And I just, I just wanted to do that. You know, it seemed, it seemed fun and more interesting. I'd rather just stay, you know, grounded. What was the best thing it. you learned from that show? Um, it's a lot of things. I mean, a lot of things in production, you know, I've, you know, it's funny. I've probably been in production in some capacity as long as I've been doing stand up. Yeah. You know, so like you learn a lot about production and producing and uh, balancing things and who, you know. So you can direct now. You're ready to be a director. A, a little. You could do it. A little. I, yeah, I have a, a, a thing that I'm going to do soon-ish uh, that, uh, that, that I'll direct. It, it is fun. It is, if you can see it as a complete thing, you should do it. You know what I mean? Like, you know take as much control as you think you're worthy of. Yeah. If that makes sense. You know, it's like, well, I see this complete thing. So what was the biggest thing you would do over with the show? I mean, there are a couple episodes that fell through the cracks. Um, that, that just by nature of time, you just didn't like too ambitious, not even too ambitious, but just, I mean, it's just time, especially in production, you know, it moves, you know, very fast. And every week you're shooting a new thing. And if the, the script, you know, the scripts took a lot of time. It was, you know, just me and Ari in a room trying to really make sure the perspective makes sense and that it has enough of a clash. And yeah, it could, you know, certain episodes just by nature of time, like it just kind of fell through. And, you know, it doesn't feel great to have anything out there that you don't, that you weren't falling your sword for, you know. And so there, there are a few episodes that I that I wish you know we could have fixed. but for the most part it was a great experience it was really really great and really were you fun. influenced by the what decade 70s 80s 90s all of them uh yeah kind of all of them a little bit of all of them um i was influenced i'm influenced by it's not even a mistake i can't have nostalgia for it i wasn't alive during it but uh but like the it kind of the 70s a lot of content cut through yeah and especially in this landscape it just seemed like the thing that filled the void you know like that that made the most sense it's well, just we only like, had three channels back then yeah yeah i watched all those shows i was i was like seven in 1976 so it was like everything everything you would have thought i would watch i watched every episode of that's and the and the shows were like you know you really felt like you were part of these people's lives yeah it wasn't like we had a lot of options back then you know like i really felt like like when uh when jj evans's dad died I felt like a family member died. It was devastating. Yeah, it was, like, it was wow, dev- he's dead now. Now, uh, you would have read about the contract dispute 
I would have known the whole Over thing. The summer. Yeah, and, and then like you, uh, John Amos is mad yeah, at Jimmy it Walker. Takes a little sadness yeah. off of, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember when Farrah Fawcett left James Charlie's Dino. Angels, not understanding it. If she's gonna leave, she's gonna go make movies. Like what? Yeah, yeah. She's not. She's not coming back. Why is uh, Suzanne Summers not on this oh, season of uh, Three's Company? Oh my God! But Patrick Duffy, why? Why did he die and then reappear in the shower? This is great. We love sometimes it's contract disputes. <laughs> I follow this Twitter account. Twitter back to Twitter. This account called Retro News, <laughs> and they'll pop some TV Guide covers every once in a while. Oh really? And uh, or People Magazine or something. And you know, like that Three's Company dispute. The contract thing that was covered the same way, um, like Aniston, Brad Pitt, and Angelina. Oh, really? yeah, were, oh my God! It was deep. like the because like thirty million people watch that show. Yeah, think about it that. meant a lot. It was to like a the lot of super, people, yeah. It was like the Super Bowl. <laughs> now you have these shows. I I don't know what the peak audience is. I guess Game of Thrones is probably the outlier. Other than that, everything like you mentioned, Wild Wild Country earlier. It's like I don't know how many people actually yeah. watch that show. Yeah, I, and I I've been in New York and L.A. around it, so I don't even know because sometimes things can seem really loud, and then you legitimately leave New York, L.A., a couple other pockets, and you're like, oh, yeah, nobody knows. Wait, is anybody going. watching this? Yeah, <laughs> nobody, nobody. Killing Eve? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Us and our shows were so like, everybody. Yeah, Killing Eve. Yeah, no, no. People can't sit here like what? Killing who? Nobody. Who's yeah, Eve? Nobody. Like you know, you hit a little. T just go by TV by the numbers. You know. So do you have an office? You have a company? What's going on? I mean, yeah, I have a company. I mean, I'm kind of. You go, you go in there. You have people working for you. Yeah. I, get you coffee. Not, I never use my offices. I every it, in when you're like there till four in the morning. Yeah. Use it, but like, you know, I'll work from home a lot and I'll work from uh, from the know, studio on Bronson or just hotels or like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of hotels and stuff. So what, what's that? What's next for you? What's coming? Are you be are you mysteri I mean, mysterious so, about all this shit? I'm not even being mysterious. It just seems uh, that seems like the weirdest thing to talk about. Right. Because, I don't know if you announced anything. No, I don't. I don't, don't you hate announcements. I don't know. I didn't, I intentionally it's like, didn't do it's research. Like, it's like, bro, let me just do the thing. And yeah. then the thing will be on. Okay. And then if you like the thing, then you'll there'll announce be more it. of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be more of the thing. Are you based here in New York or both? I'm, I'm mostly here. I, I just go to New York randomly for, for no reason. I, <laughs> and I'm, I look for reasons. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very down on New York these days. Why? Well, one thing I'm from Boston, so I'm, okay. I'm, I'm naturally down in New yeah, York. Yeah. But um, we had Jesus and Mara were here a couple of days ago. We were talking about how New York is basically going to turn into Escape from New York with when the subway system goes down. Oh, that's and gonna it's be... just going to be like everybody's just stuck there. It's the L. What turn... else is going down? It's like the L's going down. Everyone in Brooklyn's just stuck in Brooklyn yeah. for eighteen Lyft, months. Lyft, you better get the fleet ready. <laughs> They're getting about a million more Lyft fleet. cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then how where many ports can we get by the time the L? Well, it needs more. It need more like the high speed ferries. That's what they really need. Oh wait, so it's yeah. ferries. You go from like Brooklyn across the water, but how long is that? I don't know. Seems I can't like think of anything thing. worse. It really sounds I like can't the, think of, it sounds like a Sylvester Stallone movie. Yeah, it sounds. When I think ferry, it just start images of Ellis Island start popping in my head. Yeah. It's just like it's dark, man. It's dark. I don't want to get on a ferry to go to go get brunch. You get on a ferry. Yeah, for forty minutes. You get on a boat for but that seems insane. During like twenty two degree weather. It was like on a boat. Like it's like I came by I came by boat. 
<laughs> That's why it's nice out here. It's a prune. Everything's nice okay. and spread out out here. <laughs> I think like LA has the upper hand right now. LA's nice. I mean, New York is fun. New York is a, you can I can squeeze a lot into one day in New York, and I enjoy that. You know, I can see. I just saw like a four-hour matinee, like Iceman cometh, and then I still got some work done somehow. Right. That would have been the day in LA. Yeah, like four hour met. Like if I would have probably gone to a theater downtown, that would have taken like an hour. Are you a sports fan or no? No, I'm like a real a fake sports when the, fan. When the playoffs hit, I, yeah, it turns uh, the volume turns up. I like the, the so that you know what's going on now. Kinda, yeah, what's that? You know what's going oh, on well, now. I'm starting to. I I start to hear about. It. Then I'll then I'll be watching games. You know, football, next basketball, week. everything, everything, whatever. It's like mostly football, basketball. This is it's the like. Just the place to give your NBA thoughts right now. You probably Ooh, don't get asked yeah, very I don't often. I have a lot of thoughts on the NBA. LeBron right now. James. I mean, LeBron's incredible. That's a thought. Have you met these people? He's incredible, and I've read about his investments, and they're really smart. The investments are smart. Very good investments. Yeah, he's done a pretty good job. Yeah, God. What what happens when you meet these people? It's just random. Like yeah, some, just some people you. go nuts. Other people like they are like, "Hey, man, what's happening?" Yeah, I mean, people are nice. Everybody's nice. Everybody's rich. <laughs> Nice. You got on soft sweaters. <laughs> soft sweaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah, soft sweater. Like, you haven't felt discomfort in a while. You're nice. Everyone's <laughs> felt nice. Felt discomfort. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, there's emotional pain. There's tons of emotional pain, but enough stuff to numb it. Yeah. Well, it's a good time to be a content provider. I think you're in a good spot right oh, now. Yeah, there's a thirst. There's a, there's a lot of people. You probably have a lot of people asking for meetings. Hey, come oh, on yeah. in. Well, We'd love to meet with you. Oh, there's always meetings. Come on in. Can LA, you come in at two? LA is kind of that scene from uh from Annie Hall. Yeah. Of him coming to LA. It, it is kind of that. Especially now. It's all these suitors. Tons of suitors. Supposedly suitors. there's 500 and something TV shows in production no, right now. That is a lot. It's like 508. That's too much. Seems like a lot. That is just too much. People in Kansas City can't follow that. I can't catch that. up to it. I can't catch up to it. Everybody's got an app. I sound like an elderly man. but You but, are. You're like the oldest 30-year-old ever. Met. But it's just like, I like, here's the thing. I think people actually feel this way. They just don't say it in a, you know, gruff, mildly Jewish inflection. Uh, I It's a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, everybody's got an app. It's crazy. I don't even know where stars is. Much less black I don't know stars. How to find stars. <laughs> I'll get to you later, Crackle. <laughs> crackle. The fuck, am I supposed to find these things? Yeah, I was. Dear God, I bought an TV for my dad. My dad's YouTube. never had a smart YouTube, TV. YouTube, Netflix. Okay. My dad's never had a smart TV, and I was explaining to him what Hulu was, and he it was like I was explaining a UFO landing to him. He was so confused by it. He's like, "All the shows are on it." I'm like, "Yeah, all the shows." CSI. Hulu. So all the CSIs. I'm like, "Yeah." Hulu's gaining on them. Hulu's gaining. I also just recently sold a show to Hulu, so of course oh. I would say that in this moment. But they're gaining on them. They are. They are. They got a good. They got a good. Well, thing they going. they have the TV library. They're yeah. like, oh, I miss Survivor oh, yeah, last yeah, night. Seinfeld I'm gonna go. Like the they just have a million. Yeah. And then Netflix makes all their own stuff, and then Amazon basically has everything else. Let me ask you just... a question: How big are you guys on pauses? Because I drank a lot of water before coming here, and I got to. You want to take a break? Do, yeah. Can we do that What's and that? come yeah. right back oh, after yeah, these messages? Press pause. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, yeah, we'll do an ad right now. Yeah, I'll do an ad. We'll be right back. <laughs> One more break to talk about my friends from Hotel Tonight. If you're like me and you're not so great at planning ahead, 
I've got good news. Our friends at Hotel Tonight have an awesome app that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. Book next week tonight. Book next month tonight. All it takes is 10 seconds. Just three taps and a swipe. No long, endless lists of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels. Perfect whether you're a planner or you like to leave things at the very last minute. As you've heard me say, I've used Hotel Tonight for multiple youth soccer tournaments for my daughter. And now my son's good at baseball now. And I feel like he's going to be on a travel baseball team this fall. And I'm going to be so bitter that I'm going to these nine hour double headers <laughs> watching my son bat three times and maybe pitch two innings. But the good news is I'll be in a great hotel from hotel tonight with their HT perks program. The more you book, the better the deals get. Unlike other loyalty programs where you're trapped in a staying at boring chain hotels. It's not like that here. Start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. Download the Hotel Tonight app right now. Back to Gerard. Let's talk about the NBC show because you had people on that show that then have their careers have taken off the last couple of years. And I think that that show is going to be looked back at 10 years from now. Like, whoa, <laughs> all those people were on that show. Holy shit. Yeah, no. How we, did that only last two years? You no, know, it, it's a show. I, uh, Rel was joking with me. He was like... um, if we pitched that show and cast now, we would get like a. You get Netflix and be like, yeah, yeah, here's yeah. A nine we would get check. an insane. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> a lot's changed. It, 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 I, I just, you know, it's people that I knew were great that I just wanted to be surrounded by. I know that's like the easy, but that really was all it was. Like, you know, wrote the part for Rel, you know. Amber, uh, I wanted for a pilot presentation. She couldn't do it. She came back around for the pilot, so I wrote it with her, uh, for her. Um, Haddish, who I've known for a very long time and, you know, has always been one of the most dynamic personalities I've ever met. One of the uh, most uh, fearless people I've ever met. Like, and, and someone who's gone through a lot and has allowed that to turn into like a positive attitude somehow. Right. And told me uh, years ago, she was like, uh, in the lobby of the Laugh Factory, is like, I'm going to work for you. You're going to write a part for me, and I'm going to work for you. <laughs> like, she, you know, and now that the world knows her, they know it. That doesn't sound, that sounds like her. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It sounds like her. So um, uh, she's been described, I know a few people who have either worked with her, interacted with her, or whatever, like as a force of nature at all yeah. times. No, she's great. She's she's great. I mean, now I mean, she just has the burden of opportunity. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and 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 she's yeah, she's fantastic and, and honest. That's what it is. She's she's honest. You know when you're getting a real person or not. It was weird that it took Girls Trip for her to break through because she had a couple other at bats where she was great. Well, in them. the thing is, you one Girls Trip. Well, uh, I, think, I guess it was a it did a monster did numbers yeah. right, and so that you know that's that's really important. It was a movie that essentially just showcased her. With all due respect to everybody involved on it, it may as well have been her reel. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it was like Tiffany Haddish's reel, uh, you know, and 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 someone like Tiffany is someone that um, it is gonna it is a little bit difficult to get authentic authenticity through. Uh, and she's a, a, a really big example of that because she's someone that I mean, I've had the battles with casting, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, people pushing back against her. What was know. the case against her? Just out of curiosity. You just haven't really seen her. 
You yeah. haven't seen her. She doesn't really, she doesn't fit a type because everything is so natural to her. We've seen the black friend that does a very surfaced version of, of you know, Tiffany. T- Tiffany is just so honest and it's from a natural place and she knows how to maintain that while on camera. Yeah. And you just, it's a lot. You look at it, you're like, oh, that, that's a lot. You know, she's someone that people would have said and have said to me, uh, she's a little too this. She's too whatever. She's just very honest, you know, and you can see that. I mean, I know her. You know what I mean? Like, I not only have I known her for a while, but I, I know her. That 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 woman, yeah. <laughs> I know is my cousin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, she's like, she, I I grew up with her. Yeah. You know, and so it's like I saw you see her, and you're like, oh yeah, we need her. You know, she, you know, without respect, replaced an actress on my show because you you see it, and you're like, yeah, of course. You know, I had I had to. You know, she's great. Um, but that all, Rel, the same thing. Rel is, Rel is one of the most honest performers I've ever seen. You know, just a very honest, natural ability to him, and and just authentic. He's just an authentic person. You know what? You know what you see is him. So when you saw Get Out, were you like, yes? Yeah, I thought that was great. Yes, I thought it was great. I mean, that was a a a, a big yes for a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> but but it was uh yeah you like of course, I mean features look features are always the um just by nature not even just the numbers of it but by nature of um marketing always going to be the thing that kind of pushes you the you know the difference between movie star and television star are marketing dollars and push. That you're more likely to hear a name 15 times in a week because of a movie than you are for anything else, right? So having Rel and Tiffany like in in features is a really important thing. You're just out by nature of promotion, by nature of all going up to bat for one weekend. The cool thing about those two was, I thought Get Out was the best movie last year. It's just a good movie. Like, like yeah. I think but it's a movie that's going to stand yeah. the test of time. Ten years from now, I think yeah. people will look back and be like, "Why didn't that win the Oscar? What happened?" You know? Yeah, yeah. And no, I think it was. You know what I liked about it was like it was interesting. It was dark, but it was fun. I, I describe it as uh, the movie Michael Jackson was watching in Thriller. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's kind of what it, it was like. That vibe. Everybody's just in there. You eating <laughs> yeah. popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like just like. It, it, you take a date. It's a full experience. You we know? did a re, we do have this podcast called the rewatchables where we just break down movies that we like. Yeah. And we talked about this one two months ago and I was saying, it's so rare to have the awesome in theater experience anymore. Yeah. Reading a movie and just everybody's locked in and kind of moving with the movie. And yeah. then, you know, when he shows up at the end, my theater went nuts. Yeah. Um, it was just cool. It doesn't really happen anymore. Well, well, it's hard to share that with it's hard, yeah. 500 horror, people. Horror gives you, you know, more of that, you know, like uh, it, it's not a lot of directors that take ownership over the material. Yeah. And that really uh, a lot of times throughout the creative process, you know, the, what I'm learning and seeing uh, the pattern of is uh, everyone trying to bend the thing to fit the form. You know, and and mold it to fit it, and just like you know the 
the every act is kind of structured based off of other things and horror gives you the ability to craft a, a bit more of a unique experience by uh by nature of setting a set of rules for the content itself like horror has a set of rules because yeah. every the villain or the monster or, or what you're up against you know has a a way it moves and so you have to set up rules around that and it gives it its own unique structure um i wish we saw that more in comedy you 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 don't you know. Let's say comedy and horror get such a lack of respect when, especially around award season. Yeah, I thought Tiffany Haddish should have been nominated for best supporting actress. Yeah, I mean, it's like there, there's no way that wasn't one of the best five performances. Well, yeah, what and you who else could have done a, it? A dynamic performance that you, yeah that stands out in a feature that and also who else could have played it. That's yeah, the thing. No. I was looking at like who else could play that part and own that movie like yeah, that. No. Nobody, not no. one person. No. But we don't judge the Oscars like that. They look at it like, oh, The Shape of Water. What a what an emotional performance, <laughs> by the way. I'm, I'm pretty sure 20 actresses could have played the lady Guillermo from The Shape is, of Water. Is great. I, I know he's great. Was but not, uh, not, yeah, that's not, wasn't my bag. I was asking for a lot. Nobody's nobody's <laughs> like, oh, good, the Blu-ray came out. I'm going to watch it uh, seven more times. Yeah. I mean, the Oscars, <laughs> you know. The Oscars are frustrating. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's, it's always a weird thing. It's, so, you know. What were you saying? When you took your show to NBC, what were the reasons behind going with a traditional network versus going to cable or like a place that maybe you'd have a little more freedom? Um, seemed like more of a challenge, which is fun. Uh, on a a challenge in what respect? Well, like that a, you reach personal, more people. It, it felt kind of like uh, going to boot camp first. Everything is every form of development is easier than broadcast network yeah. <laughs> development. Like as far as television goes, it, every form is 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 easier. And I wanted to do the, this is the reason I moved to LA first because New York was closer. And yeah. you do that because of that. Also a certain, you know, affinity for it, just growing up with it. Like you, like growing up watching those types of things. Nobody from my generation was really doing it. So it seemed interesting. Yeah. To do like a multi-cam format, like it just seemed like it seemed like the least cool thing you could do, you know. And then because we'd seen a million, and we seen a million, everyone trying to do their Louis, yeah, you know, like you know, and or, or what they extract from Louis. So it's just a bunch of comedians looking pensive, single camera, yeah, yeah, yeah with a zoom and a and some type of French horn. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I was like, I don't want to do that. So I did something else. <laughs> That's pretty much what it was. I, my apologies. I feel like I'm talking a lot of shit. Uh, I didn't find that shit. That's funny. I don't want to talk a lot of shit. I'm not. I don't mean it in a negative way. I didn't take it as shit talking. Did you, Tommy? No. But just, I'm just saying, like, just things that just felt, you know. I don't know. I still like your idea of pitching the exact same show, but with everybody in a bigger platform position oh, just going back yeah, just bringing the band back together we didn't talk about dag i mean he's great somebody i learned from i love being around i thought it was i mean i still think it's fantastic I, i've I, known him for a while because for some reasons he's very good friends with adam carolla so yeah, I've, yeah. I've been at uh, yeah. a lot of different functions with him and he's like one of the greatest hangs He's the best hang. He's just a good hang. He is the he's best hang. He's ready to argue yeah. and talk and yeah. all kinds of shit. And he's La just ready to go. He and Loretta together were fun. Him and Loretta, um, you know, were just like getting to these arguments. It was fun because they knew they've known each other for years. And like they really 
it felt like having your parents on <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, great. And he's the coolest guy in the world. I was thinking She's about him the other too. day because they they announced they're remaking Boomerang, which I have a lot of- Wait, what? BET's remaking Boomerang. Oh, okay. As a TV series, which I have huh. complicated feelings about. But, okay. uh, but I was thinking about how long ago that was when- He's in that movie. It's him, Eddie, and Martin Lawrence. Yeah, Eddie's comeback movie. He plays Gerard, uh, and I'm Gerard, and we always. Uh, we yeah, I think that, if yeah. they made Boomerang now, probably Gerard's gay. I think it would have been the wrinkle. You think so? Yeah, I, I don't what, think they're uh, ready to go down and, that road in '92. And Holly's character didn't connect. I don't know. Maybe if they did. God, you put a studio in it. You know, probably. You know, Martin Lawrence's character is Asian now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like the you know their diversity because everybody's afraid of Twitter, so they just want to make sure that everyone's represented. In a... Dear God, dear God, oh so, man! So there's a... <laughs> there's a flip side to diversity. Okay, this is this is this is the one that ruins everything, right? This is the podcast. <laughs> Be talking to Bill. <laughs> I, but there is, there's a, and there's, there's also a condescending version. Okay. First of all, I don't know if I can articulate those thoughts in a way that won't destroy my life. <laughs> it was funny though. Oh, thanks. I listen. I get, <laughs> I get what you mean. People are very conscious of a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, but you know, they're very, very conscious these days. Sidney Poitier, after he won uh, the Oscar, was uh, uh, kind of he had conflicting feelings about how to celebrate it because he uh felt like he was being treated as a token yeah right and uh you know and that's a very interesting feeling and i sometimes i'm surprised more people don't share that feeling you know like even in, in the moment sometimes it does feel a little condescending like you know it, i don't even know how i got to this but like <laughs> oh diversity is like it, it, it's like you know Use people because they're good and not because it's in the moment. Um, my fear is that this thing becomes like this fad that we all try out and we're all. Well, what's interesting about the last few years, just watching from afar, is Hollywood discovering that there's this massive black audience for all kinds of creative stuff. Yeah. Like it just dawned on them. Yeah. It's like, well, this blackish is successful. What, yeah, we should yeah, look into black that. Black Panther and, you and know. Black Panther um, is a raging hit. Yeah. We that, should make more of well, these. It, it, from a business standpoint, remove any feelings or whatever. Uh, from and get just out. From a, from get a, out's another one. Yeah, from a business standpoint, it just, it it made sense to, I mean, you, I don't know if you heard, but black people typically, I don't want to use the word dominate popular culture, but dominate probably sounds right. I mean, it, you know, have been just for years, you know, in music and like, uh, like it, it, yeah. it, in entertainment, like it, it's just kind of, it was shocking from a business standpoint, that it, it took that it was so that long. it was so enlightening to people that this was yeah, an audience yeah, that was like, sitting there. No, oh no, my God, that audiences come out in droves. Creed was another one. Yeah, it's like Creed. Oh, I can't well, believe I wrote it. We should do a sequel. But also, Ryan Coogler. Yeah, who's really good just, at his job. Yeah, yeah, is a brilliant director. Who, um, you know, he's good. I mean, he deserves all the success that he's getting. So in a weird way, we go through all this stuff and, you know, that Oscars a couple years ago and what was the hashtag Oscars so wait? Yeah. The- we go through this whole era, but now we're in this whole other era where Hollywood is now seeing the business opportunity, which is now going to bring all these opportunities for people. But yet it's such a basic common sense, like no fucking shit. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, really? Do it because there's an audience. Do it for because this? things are good. Do it things because you can make money from it. To put it in the the very but it sounds just, gross terms, but like they're just thinking yeah. about it for the money. Yeah, it's just it's smart. If it's good, it's a bonus. Because yeah, they were yeah, the Tyler yeah. Perry movies, which nobody's gonna remember that finally twenty years from now. But all those things were pretty money. He's made like how many ten of them? He has a so they yeah, knew the audience was there. Model for it. Yeah, yeah, he's a really good. Um, he kind of like started like the ten ninety deal and the whole thing. Yeah, but is he another guy you 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 respect these moguls? Yeah, he's got to be on the list. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we're just being honest, I think he has one of the smartest. I mean, it's kind of a you know, like what Jason Bloom is doing, right? Where it's just like micro budget, you know. He's amazing. You know, content that can exist in, you know, broadly and on a small budget. And that's, it's just smart. He puts it up. We know? had him I on the podcast. Smart. What was that? Six months ago, Tommy? Yeah. Smart dude, man. Yeah. Just figured it out. Yeah. yeah. He figured out this model. It's a good model. And guess what? In Hollywood these days, horror is the safest bet you can make. Yeah, if it's a half decent movie, it's going to do well. You just have yeah. to make sure it doesn't suck. And if it's a good premise that you can explain, like you just had Truth or Dare, my whole family watched it. It was great. Yeah, I yeah. love those movies. Yeah, it's like people like you. It's you know what it is. You know, uh, a friend of mine was just talking about this. Anything with a clear premise, people can hold on to it. Yeah, you know, the people look for clarity in it. You know, sometimes art doesn't have to be muddy. <laughs> You don't have to be like, and you tell me what it means. Right. You know, it can be cool. You That's know. why if you go through Netflix, they just have dozens of horror movies about something's wrong with the house. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just all variations of this same idea. Because they know it's like, I'm flicking through. I'm like, oh, something's wrong with the house. What's wrong this time? <laughs> oh, somebody went in the attic? Oh, I didn't know that was a subgenre. I didn't oh, know, like, that's not even a subgenre. It's a monster. genre. Yeah. <laughs> the house is. Shouldn't the have opened that chest. Shouldn't have brought that rock back from the Grand Canyon that your grandmother told it's, you not to bring back. It's it's just funny because I'm imagining it like scrolling through Netflix and just seeing there's something wrong with the house as like a thing that you they should just do through. it just own it because uh, the thing is if you watch a couple of them they start suggesting them so you just you go to it's like what does this say about me there's 15 straight there's a row of 15 movies about something's wrong with the something's house wrong and i've, with the I've house. seen 14 of them and you enjoy all of them. i love them i love horror That's movies your thing. i love horror movies you can't listen to a complete album because you're busy trying to figure yeah. out what's wrong with the house that's why i need a playlist instead of a real album <laughs> you gotta make us something wrong with the house horror movie I mean, yeah. There's it. Yeah. You get the whole band together. Has there ever been a twist at the end of them that it was just like, it was Somebody just plumbing? Usually no. So- <laughs> it's a bad septic tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns out you're, we, you're septic tank. Yeah, there's a raccoon that's in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. It's fine. <laughs> Couple lights, light bulbs broke just because they had been in there for a while. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah. all good. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, yeah. There's something rolling in, with the house. It turns out it's just asbestos. <laughs> So, oh, that, well, that does explain the rashes. <laughs> so you're, you're semi-retired from stand-up? No, I wouldn't even say retired. I'm just not doing it. Let's make some headlines. Make some headlines? Yeah, you're semi-retired from stand-up. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, no, I don't think that's headline. I'll never it's come back. Headlineable. I just don't, I don't do it. The last time I was on stage is at uh, Largo, which wouldn't even stand up. I just got in an argument with this uh, woman in the audience about Phantom Thread. And what? Uh, yeah, she didn't like it. Uh, oh my god, Phantom Thread was amazing. That. Yeah, it was incredible. I saw it twice. 
Saw it six times. P.T. PT Anderson was sitting right there on that couch. Really? Oh, yeah. Can I take this and love the posters. You guys have something in common, remember? Oh. Tommy, who loved the posters more? P PTA or him? Probably you. PTA did. He he liked this fast break poster. Oh, wow. He got all excited about Gabe Kaplan. Gabe Kaplan? Mr. Cotter. Yeah. Um, I listened to that song, that theme song, realistically once every two months. The Welcome Back Cotter. Yeah. It's it's one of the all-timers. The full song is good. John Sebastian. John Sebastian. Yeah. I'm trying to think what... Trying to think what my uh, hierarchy is for greatest songs from that era. That's way up there. That might be number one. Yeah, it's a it's a great. And I sing it when my friends tell me that they just landed. I sing it with. It just pops in my head a lot. The White Shadow had a really good one. Um, the What's Happening that was a good one. Oh yeah, What's Happening was yeah. It was and people love the Different Strokes one. Different Strokes is great. Um, and then the Jeffersons, obviously. I think that actually might have been in the charts. Jeffersons is eight. Really? Yeah, I think that was like a real song. One of them was Jefferson's a real song. I think it was the Jefferson. That was sung by, wasn't it sung by uh, the woman? Uh, it was sung by Winona. Oh, yeah. From Winona from Good Times. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. was one of the two people that sang yeah. this weird crossover. So good. Yeah. It's such a good, yeah. I love when it gives you get that euphoric feeling hearing like the first seconds of music. How much time did you put into your theme song? Did you think about it? We sung it. Did you take it seriously? It was the whole put- cast. Yeah, we sung it. We had a, a there was an artist uh, uh, who uh, worked with one of the creators that brought us in melodies, and we went to the studio all together and uh, and sung the theme song. It was fun. Yeah, we put we put thought of it and like just the movement. My uh, friend uh, Ian Eastwood did the choreography for it. Yeah, I mean, because you're doing you're getting paid to put thought into a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's the theme song. Especially if it's the theme song. Right. Especially if it's the art on your wall. You know what I mean? Like, just like these things look like, you know, a lot of shows and movies just look like Crate and Barrel catalogs. So, if you, let's say Hulu hires you tomorrow to run Hulu, what are the first three things you do? I change the web design i changed the format and the colors uh, i think the, the i don't it, like the web design it's a, either. it's yeah it's kind of a pastel thing and it, what what really works if you have like a big database is to like lean into it is why like costco works and sam's club and netflix you know really works as like a database and you kind of know how to yeah go through the archives there so i think it's uh probably that's thing number one i by the way um just to interrupt you i wholeheartedly agree yeah it's too hard to find stuff on hulu yeah. Netflix, I can look at 50 things in two seconds. Yeah. Including all my favorite haunted house movies. Well, it, well, especially, look, in the race for, like, what's good about Hulu's, um, you, they have to make a decision between being HBO and be Netflix. And that is a choice that you make. Do you want a curated, because the, the design lends itself to like a more HBO kind yeah. of like, yeah, curated experience. But to, Subscription both growth is based off uh, catalog. Yeah, and it's why Netflix is spending six billion a year <laughs> on content, and it's and it's is catalog and catalogs need like catalogs, like archives. If you look in the record book of an archive, that's what Netflix looks like, <laughs> and that's what like it kind of everything. So the content you create will fall under that, right? It'll lean into like exactly what we're doing. Look, they got a lot of smart people. I don't know why I'm just like trying to lay out. No, you're right. Um, <laughs> all right, so that's one. Two more. 
Uh, two more. Uh, two more things you would do if you took over Hulu tomorrow. I mean, or any streaming service. Well, what, give me the, the keys to each one. You can pick it, whatever. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's so many because there's so many base things before you even get to content. You know, Netflix. You know, sustainability. You know, the people, myself, and a lot of writers at the Wall Street Journal question, <laughs> and like you know. Uh, I, I don't know. I, you would just kind of have to look at the mission statements of all these things and then kind of work accordingly. Because the first thing, I, I don't even want to sound like just this like lofty. The first thing you do is like fix and change and then move in the direction. So you, like altering course is like turning a ship around. Yeah. I would do like, I, I wish Netflix had more of a Rotten Tomatoes type model as one part of it, like over on the right, where it's just like, because they have a mm-hmm. popular Netflix thing, but I wish yeah. it was actually like. Ranked. Well, they had the. I wish I would like to see a list. They got rid of it, right? I like to know like what are the ten things people are fired up about right now. Yeah, I, I don't I, know how they do that, but and they could probably rig it in bad ways. But I will say, from a you know, a standpoint of like like when you enjoy knowing the consensus. It, it it can be a bit frustrating. It does make sense. I would, I would want to get mad at the consensus. Well, that, I just enjoy being like, really? Yeah. Well, that's but, number one. I, what? I, I bet you get uh, a better uh, um, distribution of attention yeah. by not having ratings because it's not that thing that we're just not going to watch because the rating is too low. And you like you give I everything. I don't even kind think it a, should a be shot. ratings. I think it should be more like what's what people are drifting to right now or what popularity oh just like like just yeah something because occasionally there's going to be some weird movie there be like why is that number seven what is that yeah yeah right now i go to you think it should have charts something something along the lines of what itunes or now Mm -hmm. apple does with podcasts where they they rig the best podcasts aren't downloads it's more like newer podcasts and what's yeah. So it's it's almost like here are the new ones we have. That makes sense, but I do wonder I do wonder if it if it draws too much attention. Like that that's the hard thing, you know, like everything has to get kind of a similar push. You know right. what I mean? Like because you champion this one thing and then you have content that stands out far over another thing and then you Well, they usually push four things a week it seems like. Mhm. Get your like email. The, the latest Adam Sandler movie, mm-hmm. um, some seven part docu series about something <laughs> horrible that happened, mm-hmm. um, some new sitcom, and then some movie that they're excited yeah. about, and that's it. Yeah, I'd be curious to see. You know, the fir- the the real thing with Netflix, I'd be curious to see them having a the film that makes the big cultural splash, the the House of Cards of features. Form, I'd be curious to. So, what are you doing ten years from now? Uh, other than our anniversary show that we'll yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, 10-year anniversary show other than that. 20-year <laughs> uh, anniversary of you coming to LA. Um, I, I really don't know. Hopefully. I think that's a great answer. Yeah, I just don't. Whatever I want to do, hopefully, not to sound like, you know, Veruca Salt, but I just mean it like in the sense of just like, <laughs> you know, the thing that I feel the most passion toward. Well, I, what I'm intrigued by just talking to you the last hour is it seems like you're leaving everything wide open and you don't know what's going to happen and you're just going to drift toward what gets yeah. you excited, which I think most people reach that point when they're older, but you're young to reach that point, which I think is an advantage. 
Yeah, it's like a, mostly people who are 30 and under are just like grabbing stuff and then they realize, oh, I shouldn't do that. I oh, should yeah, be more no. careful, but it seems like you're already out of that. Oh, yeah, don't grab anything. Yeah, that's good, though. That's <laughs> an make, advantage. You know, like makes it like, I don't know, just make stuff. Do the thing like that's what you came here for. You know, like it. every company in person can, uh, you know, should always revisit their mission statement. <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and I moved to L.A. to make stuff and that's what I would like to do. And that's what I'll stick to. And like, you know, probably won't be the black friend in a thing because I want to make stuff. And that's not the black you friend. Know, I, I, you know, like it, it, that's just true to what my thing Have you is. done that yet? Have you been in the rom-com where you're like the, the black friend who gives perspective? I'm sure I've been a black friend probably once. So you can't help it. You're black and you're friendly. You're going to eventually be a. Go to bar. Yo, man, you should go friend. for her. <laughs> <laughs> she likes you, man. Yo, bro, I bring Yo. the you know the uh, ethnic dialect to the film. Yeah, go talk to her. Uh, where where a director probably uh, they don't ask you to say the n word, but they want you to say the n word. <laughs> Put a little funk on it. As they, they just say. Look, yeah, they look, look at you intently. No one says that. They look at you intently, hoping you'll read yeah, their yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, just like is this the, yeah, every take. Like, Every take, you maybe, know, maybe like, just is he gonna, is he gonna put a little say extra it? in it. This take, maybe yeah, is he gonna say it? You know what I mean? A little extra, <laughs> a little extra. You know, put a little funk on it. <laughs> you want to take a break? Would you like some Hennessy? <laughs> that could bring out. That could really get us where we. <laughs> All right, we're wrapping up. This was fun. I'm glad we did this. This is really great. This thank is you. great. Thank you for taking. My the time. favorite thing is that you're not even promoting anything. You just came to here to hang. We had spent. Years trying to figure out a conversation. Yeah. You're busy. And then I was like, let's let's just do it. Yeah. All right, great. This, this is, is really fun. fun. I hope you had Thank a good you time. for having me. This Thank you for really coming fun. on. Thank you. All right. All right. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to go to ziprecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to the Dave Chang show. Oh yeah. Launching Thursday on the Ringer Podcast Network. Please subscribe. This podcast is going to be great. I defy you not to like this podcast. It's going to be awesome. Thanks to Simply Safe Home Security, Simply Safe Ready for anything that gets thrown at it. Storms, cut phone lines, destroyed keypads, you name it. Even if you don't have to be ready for every worst case scenario, Simply Safe always ready just in case. That's what makes it great. They charge you what's fair. $14.99 a month, no contracts, no hidden fees. I recommend Simply Safe to everyone I know. Go today to simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two eyes. SimplySafe.com slash BS. Ringer NBA show. They are taping tonight, Wednesday night. They are reacting to all four games. Check that out. And the Ringer NFL show has been breaking down the draft all week and will continue to break down the draft as it keeps going with the crew from GM Street, Clark and Mays. Everybody's there. That's it. I you will I will be in your wherever you get your podcast. If you subscribe, which I hope you do, I will be in your little pod whatever what are they what are, feed i'll be in your feed I'll be in your feed late on thursday night with reactions to uh the game sixes of the nba playoffs and the nfl draft until then <laughs> <laughs>